1: This is the 415 fivers. This is what we do. We pontificate, we <laughs> hypothesize, we throw out different scenarios. We get you your game reaction, as we're doing today. We get you your midweek episode. We get you your preview for the next upcoming game. Of course, it'll be on the road against Carolina on this weekend. But want to remind you, as always, to download and rate, subscribe to the podcast. Five stars is the minimum. You can find us on social media. I am at egiddings ten. That is Mark Grandy, at Mark Grandy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I, coming at you three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Well, as far as the defense is concerned, Mark, I don't know if there's been a more impressive defensive performance throughout the league, maybe, than what we saw last night. Three 10-plus play drives from the Los Angeles Rams resulted in Well, four, but I'm saying the three as far as 16, 10, as well as the opening one on 14 results in nine points. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you get three field goals out of six-minute-plus drives, and it feels almost like bend but don't break doesn't do the defense and what it put on the field last night. It doesn't do it justice. Like Even though they did bend, I mean, it felt like like a like a minimal flex, just like like an inch deep bend, and then immediately springing back with seven sacks, with a total of a thirty percent pressure rate, with not allowing a single play to go twenty plus yards, with seventeen hits on Matthew Stafford. My pressure coming from everywhere. Nick Bosa had fourteen freaking pressures last night, had two sacks, had two tackles for a loss, and he was he may not have even been the star of the game because Talanoa Hofonga Sealed the deal with the pick six in the last couple of minutes of the game. Absolutely read the route off of Stafford's arm over to Cooper Cup in a play that just was in a breadbasket for him the entire way before the snap, It's almost as if he said, look, there's six points standing on the other side. All I need to do is be in the right position because he didn't care where the offensive line was going. He didn't seem to care where Cooper Cup was going. He only knew where he needed to be when that ball was thrown by Matthew Stafford in the fourth quarter. And he was there, bobbled it for a moment, gave you the uh-uh, and then went all the way to the crib to seal a 24-9 win.
0: Oh, yeah, it was a really interesting play because he's matched up there one on one with Tyler Higby, I believe, was the tight end on that side of the formation. And it was just a simple wide receiver screen to Cup. So Higby is trying to run into Cup's defender and and block him, essentially, as the ball is getting out to Cup. And then, you know, he'll take it and probably gain 15 yards because that's what Cooper Cup does. But Hufanga, he read the play, as you mentioned, and he, he mentioned this in the post game. I guess it was just, you know, film work. I, I, I've watched enough film. I've seen them do this play plenty of times. They did it a lot earlier in this game. He said, you know, it was a key moment in the game. They were down by eight in the fourth quarter. They were just trying to get their offense back on track. And that's one of their bread and butter plays. Just that simple, quick throw out to the right. A screen to your star receiver, Cooper Cup. Let him run for 10, 15 yards. And. Suddenly, you know, you got you got your offense moving once again. He read it once he saw his man Tyler Higby kind of run into that blocking position. He said, "Okay, I'm I'm not staying with Higby anymore. I am pushing this route to Cooper Cup." And lo and behold, he beat he beats Cup to the ball, and he bothered it for a second, but but had a pick six and ran all the way into the end zone. And how Shanahan also talked about this after the game uh, on Monday night as well, saying. It's a dangerous one to to jump on because if they're selling a fake, if Higby, you know, maybe is is you know selling a block and then he breaks free or Cooper Cup, they're doing a, a little fake bubble and then they they run down the sideline. Uh, Cup could be wide open and all by himself and it could result in a touchdown the other way. But uh, Hufanga was so confident in what he saw. I think that's what we're learning about him. He just he's so natural. He, he sees the game of football quicker than most people do, especially most second year players. He saw the ball. He trust what he saw, what he's seen from the Rams through all of his film study and his film work. And he was willing to take that risk. And it certainly paid off because the ball was right where he was expecting it. And uh, he he also said game, which was kind of funny. Uh, I almost read it a little too quickly because I bobbled the ball and almost didn't catch it. Um, but he, he was able to, to haul it in and had an easy pick six. So all the credit in the world to, to Talanoa Hufanga and the preparation to get ready for that moment. He was phenomenal. And then what's really, really strange, and this is what I saw uh, Josh Dubow from the Associated Press tweet out yesterday. The 49ers' last five pick sixes have come against either Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford. And all but one of them have been while they were quarterbacking the Rams. So last night, Hufunga against Matthew Stafford and the Rams. Jimmy Ward last year against Stafford and the Rams. Drake Greenlaw last year against Jared Goff and the Lions. Javon Kinlaw against Jared Goff and the Rams back in 2020. And then Fred Warner against Goff and the Rams back in 2019. So there is something about the Niners playing Rams quarterbacks, whether it's Goff or Stafford and pick sixes. If I am Matthew Stafford, I am terrified of when they meet in SoFi next uh, next time coming up this season. Because it almost seems like the Niners are guaranteed a pick six in that one as well.
1: Well, I'm sure they'd take it, especially uh <laughs> Talanoa Hufanga. Uh, our, our own Lucas Alexander here at, at 95.7, the game. Your co-producer uh, texted me after the game saying the the Tongan Tiger is is what his his nickname <laughs> yep. is on Instagram. I really like that nickname. I think that's pretty appropriate. Obviously, he is Polynesian. He is Tongan, and he is as quick and deceptive and intelligent, a hunter and apex predator as a tiger, as he looked on that play and really looked throughout the entire game. Like he just has a nose for the football as do a lot of players on the 49ers defense. And that's also maybe one of the reasons why I think he's allowed to play so freely is that there is trust. And especially when someone like Jimmy Ward comes back into the, into the secondary, when you have guys around you that you trust that even if Hufonga makes the risky play even if he makes a mistake that there's someone behind him who's going to clean up the mess because he's making an educated guess on that play but there also has to be a level of trust and that the guys that are ready to back you up are up to the job should you have made you know potentially the wrong call you're making a 90% guess but you're leaving some room for error this defense makes it so that everyone can play Seemingly free, especially last night, the way that they looked. And something that I, I want to key on specifically, which I saw and I think was was kind of a focus throughout the game. The 49ers blitzed the hell out of the yeah. Los Angeles Rams, especially in the first half. I think it was a near 50% blitz rate. And this was a team that coming into the game was one of the f- lowest in the league as far as blitz rate is concerned. So D'Amico Ryans, I don't know if it's bucking a trend considering there's only been four games so far, but he absolutely demonstrated again that this defense might even have another level to it. And when it gets healthier, there might be more options as to how you can beat teams because the Rams coming into last game were 29th in terms of total attempts and rushing. They're a team that likes to throw the ball and that likes to use primarily passing to beat you. Okay, that's fine. Well, if you're going to drop back 48 times like Matthew Stafford did, our defense in the line, front four, five, six, doesn't matter. We're going to pin our ears back and get after the quarterback. And I know during our preview show, that was one of my keys to the game is can you get to Stafford? And they did it not once. Not twice, not five, not six, but seven <laughs> times last night. And so much so that it was difficult for me to keep track of who was picking up sacks because like, Bosa had two, Ebitcom had two. There was many different players that got into the backfield. And for Stafford, who by the end of the game was bruised and battered, his arm was all torn up. Like He looked like a guy that got into the trenches and walked out feeling very uneasy because of how difficult D'Amico Ryan's, and that 49ers defense made his night.
0: Yeah, I think where you credit D'Amico Ryans the most, I mean, you have stars defensively that make great plays. I'm not sure you can directly credit D'Amico Ryans for what Talanoa Hufunga did for for Nick Bosa's two sacks, but where you can absolutely credit D'Amico Ryans and where he deserves the credit is the game that he called on the defensive side. You mentioned it. This Niners team is not a blitzing team. They generally trust their you know four linemen to rush the passer and make things uncomfortable. They'll drop everyone else into coverage. Maybe there's a linebacker spy if you're playing you know, a, an a athletic quarterback. But generally, that's it. Four-man rush for the 49ers. Everyone else is back into coverage. That was not the case against the Rams on Monday night, and the Niners absolutely took advantage of it because, as you mentioned, seven sacks, Bosa 2, Ebucom 2, Diamador Lenore coming on a corner blitz. He had a sack, by the way, go Ducks. Uh, Charles O'Menehu had a sack. Yeah. <laughs> Hassan Ridgway had a sack. We talked all season, and so many people have talked about the depth of this 49ers defensive line. We haven't really seen a lot of it relate to sacks and tackles for loss so far, and partly is just because it's, it's all been Nick Bosa, and he's been so incredibly good, and I think he's deserving, at least through a quarter of the season, of the Defensive Player of the Year at this point. But you see Omenahue factoring in, Hassan Ridgeway factoring in, Givens, he had a tackle for loss, also deflected a pass at the line of scrimmage. I mean, these are guys that aren't going to be playing massive number of snaps moving forward, especially when you get Eric Armstead healthy once again. I mean, this 49ers front seven was just showing off against the Rams and D'Amico Ryan's Brought up the perfect, perfect game plan. And even when the 49ers weren't getting to Matthew Stafford, Evan, he was still uncomfortable. You could tell that he was jittery in the pocket. He was worried, I might only have a half a second of time to get this ball out, even though there was no one really uh, pressuring him in that moment. He wasn't in imminent danger, but you could feel in the back of his head that he was worried because that's the kind of night it was for him and the 49ers rush against him, which it just it, it it's incredible because the 49ers um you know ha- have such a, a deep front seven and, and they and they really showed it on on Monday night. But I mean you just look at who it came from again from O'Menahue and Ridgeway and Ebucom. I mean, from those three, that's four sacks combined, just from those three guys. Uh, you get your two from Nick Bosa, who now leads the league in in sacks, he leads the league in quarterback hits, he leads the league in pressures. Uh you have that kind of depth behind a superstar pass rusher like Nick Bosa and you are going to get nights like this often throughout the course of a season
1: yeah and that's I, i'm glad you brought up the stafford point too about feeling uncomfortable because and then we can use this point to transition to the offense like there was a couple plays where stafford i mean he had openings i'm thinking about their first drive out of the out of the break into the third quarter the 16 play drive that turned into a field goal they had a third down and goal on the seven yard line. Stafford rolls out to his right, has has Higby wide, butt naked open in the <laughs> flat, and misses him by like five yards. That is a product of hearing footsteps that aren't there, like that. To me, is a situation where Stafford, if he's comfortable in a game, like that, that's a layup for him. That's a layup for most quarterbacks, but he doesn't hit him because. There's 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 that internal clock in his head that I gotta get this football out. And you can tell after the play he's frustrated. But there were throws like that throughout the night, maybe not as poor as that one, but Stafford definitely looked uncomfortable delivering the football, even when he was getting it to his top targets. I mean, I'm looking at Cooper Cup, and for a guy that had 14 catches, 122 yards, like that may have been one of the most quiet 120 yard games. That I've seen. And that has been the recipes for success against specifically the Rams. You can let Coop, Cup or Coop, Cooper <laughs> Cup, you can let him eat, but it cannot be big plays down the field. And him averaging eight yards a game, as much as we're talking about the pass rush getting to the quarterback, the secondary also deserves a lot of credit. Some of the corners you named as far as the pass rush, Lenore, you know, looking at Traverius Ward, who did an excellent job locking up Allen Robinson. There were guys in the secondary outside of Telenoa Hufanga that also did a fantastic job against Matthew Stafford.
0: I'm a little worried about the Rams offense. Cup 19 targets, Higby 14 targets, Allen Robinson 6, running back Daryl Henderson 4, Ben Skoranek another receiver 3, This offense is incredibly one-dimensional, and I want to quickly play a game with you here, Evan. I know we are got to transition in a second, but I'm going to give you just a couple of of stats from a couple of quarterbacks in the NFL, okay? So, Mm -hmm. number one, you got a 61% completion rate, 1,126 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, and three interceptions. Okay, that's quarterback number one. Quarterback number two, 71% completion percentage, 1,015 yards, four touchdowns, and six interceptions. That's quarterback number two. This is through four games for both quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's it's clear one of them is Matthew Stafford, and the, the, the second one is Matthew Stafford. It yes. Is. Four touchdowns, six interceptions. He's still completing 71% of his passes. Do you have any idea who that quarterback one was? 11 touchdowns, three interceptions with 61% completion percentage
1: i'll say lamar jackson
0: close but incorrect it's jared goff mm, jared goff yes. of the detroit lions the guy that the rams traded to acquire matthew stafford again you know it's early season these kind of things fluctuate but you look at the early returns on these two quarterbacks this year despite the fact that jared goff had only tj hawkinson to throw to this week in week four uh against the seattle seahawks he is putting up Great numbers, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions, his quarterback rating a tick under 100. Matthew Stafford's barely over 81, four touchdowns, six interceptions. I am worried about this Rams offense, and I am worried about Matthew Stafford. They are too one-dimensional. Matthew Stafford is too locked in on Cooper Cup, and unless things change, they are going to struggle offensively. The Niners' defense was not the first, and they will not be the last to limit this Rams offense this year.